welcome to Les Be Gay. Where I'm the Les. And I'm the gay. And today we're talking about discourse. Bum, bum, bum. Yes. <laughs> fighting, uh, particularly infighting within the queer yes, community. Yes, within the queer community. Um, We've literally brought this up several times over the, the last, like, I'll say the last, like, ten episodes. <laughs> I know, I know. Um. Just for like varying different reasons, but uh, I think we wanted to talk about it very specifically because there has been so much public discourse regarding specifically the Jagged Little Pill incident surrounding the character Joe being trans. Yes. Um, and or whether or not that character is trans. Or well, yeah, what. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we and so we just like were inspired to make a whole episode on discourse in general because this yes. is not the first time queer people have fought over identity or labels or representation. And so we wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Well, and uh, I think like what you brought up that like this has sort of come up a lot recently in different episodes and also just you and I having conversations right and I also think that part of the reason that is is because also like the past year we have all been on the internet a tremendous amount and that is you know with COVID and everything that's sort of our access to a lot of queer spaces because there aren't a lot of physical queer spaces you know especially like earlier in the pandemic and so It's a lot more communication online, which is where this sort of discourse thrives. Well, right. And especially because um, that's a good, like, first point to talk about is that the world online doesn't represent the world around you. And, like, it does in the sense that those are people, like, that exist. Mm -hmm. But the group of people that you know and that exist in your community are not the same people that just exist wherever they are in the world or in the country the people online may not have been friends with you in real life or have had different values if they met you in person you two as queer people aren't inherently like the on the same moral plane but i think the like primary point is also like though like if this person regarding like queer stuff probably shares a similar or you know relevant identity to the conversation they still carry around their own sort of trauma and growth with it and i'd love to talk to you i love i guess like asking you about lesbians you've met online um right well i'm also not like super i don't know super active and like i mean obviously my instagram is private (laughs) well (laughs) but you know like i'm not super involved on the internet but i will say that um especially because i haven't had a lot of access to actual like lesbian spaces or you know, like lesbian community mm-hmm. face-to-face that a lot of the community that I have gotten has been on the internet, mm-hmm. on YouTube, right. or I recently made a Reddit account. Oh, so, it's about fucking time, you I Tumblr know, girl. Okay. No, see, I know we've <laughs> talked about this where you're always like, you're such a Tumblr girl. And I was like, I was literally, I never had a Tumblr account. I know, and I was like, but you still read Tumblr posts. I don't, it, I don't care. Right. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes, but... um, You subscribe yeah, to a lot of lesbian spaces, whether it's... right or right tumblr posts right right yeah i want to talk about and you brought this up too to me like when we were kind of talking about this that it feels like a lot of the discourse that is happening is within like the sapphic 
women loving women sort yeah. of space. And um, or at least a lot of the stuff that I see. Um, you know, right. right. And that would make sense also just with your identity and where you live in this space. I've experienced like slight discourse. I think the difference is that I think I think two things. I think one, as a white gay male, you know, being gay and male is very like accepted and comfortable for so many people. Yeah. Um, you don't really both, need to fight about it. <laughs> yeah, both like in our community and out of it. It's so mm -hmm. like real and valid and especially in a lot of like art spaces. I was mm -hmm. saying this the other day where I was like quite frankly, white gay men are really getting there in terms of representation. I mean, to the point to where we can have people speak their honest truth and not have it represent the entirety of the queer experience or even just the gay male experience. Like, Yeah, um, there's enough stuff that like, if some piece of bad representation comes out, you can be like, wow, that was really bad, but at least we have this, right. <laughs> you know? And I think that leads into my second point to where a lot of gay men are very comfortable and valid in their own experience and in their expression. I think also even in the realm of drag being so normal, yeah. Um, experiencing yeah. with like androgyny and femininity hasn't been so the um, revolutionary is not the word. I mean, like it's not been so mind boggling for like questioning your gender identity. Obviously, there's like a mad people that experience that. But because it's so like being gay is so normalized and being feminine and gay is so normalized, I think it's not as like debated in the world because yeah. it's represented so much. And then right. with gay men being, I guess this is the third point, I lost my train of thought. But the last thing I wanted to say about it was that because there are so many gay men in spaces and just like in the world, um, that I, is uh, speaking for myself too, have like my gay friends that mm -hmm. I know and relate to and I'm comfortable with and I don't seek other gay men online. Mm -hmm. This is not the case for everyone, but I, you know, don't have discourse online because I don't seek validation online. Right. Well, and I think that's a good point that I think that the root of this discourse a lot of the times is like a need for validation. Yeah. And it comes from a, a need for feeling valid and respected in your identity. And I yeah. think you're right that like for gay men, I mean, there's not really... <laughs> anybody saying like you're not valid except for like crazy republicans you know, like crazy right. right like crazy and, conservative people yeah so i don't think that then there's like this need to defend themselves yeah you know like gay men yeah. don't need to defend themselves to people or on the internet because everybody's already kind of on the same page that yeah like gay men exist and like that's cool <laughs> you know, yeah sure. and there's like i love drag race <laughs> like, yeah right and this is like obviously one of those blanket statements we talk about mm -hmm. um, because there is like uh, occasionally discourse about like uh, i'm trying to think of the last like gay controversy that gay men talked about and it was like the validity of trans women on drag race which is a silly conversation that or even... or cis women on drag race too because now i feel like yeah, right. you know i feel like i hope we're all on the same page that trans no that's what i'm on right. drag race and because we <laughs> wouldn't have dragged the way that we have it if it wasn't for trans women no yeah. and that's what i mean is that it's so there's only like a few people that really stand out and disagree with it all mm -hmm. um the like gay male equivalent to like a turf i guess which is like someone right. who's like <laughs> right. who just like is so particular and then yeah there are 
gay men I've talked to that are like weird about um on the third season of UK's Drag Race, there is a cis woman, a lesbian cis woman. And some people are like, mm, and I'm just like, whatever. Right, like that it's not really drag. Yeah, yeah no, technically, um, yeah. technically, like drag and this style of drag comes from like queer black trans people way back in history. So whenever white people are on the show, even it's like- No, I know that like, there's a lot of appropriation happening. Yeah, we digress. That's yeah. just to say that there is still some like gay men fighting, but people can so easily step out of it and escape from it because it's so many more gay men are valid in their experience and can step away from the computer. Mm -hmm. um, and have a community over here that they can go to, which is yeah. the case for a lot of um, like sapphic people or AFAB people, femmes and trans people. Yeah. 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 That, And I think it also has to do with like the lack of representation for these communities too, which again, like there is so much, like we were saying, so much more representation for gay men. Right. So then when there is a piece of representation for a queer woman or trans person or non-binary person like there's mm -hmm. more to be upset about or more to fight about because there's such a lack of it right right and then it's uh i think it gets heavier and louder and kind of spirals more out of control that way because mm -hmm. it's so personal yes um it's not like debating whether a cookie has a crust or not or yes. whether pineapple tastes good on pizza. Like, right. if, if strip it down to its bare bones, it's people arguing for their own existence. Um, yes. Which, yeah. which I guess you could debate whether or not that's true or necessary. Like, if it really is just, like, from a point of, like, oh, you, like, this is some trauma. Like, it's really not um, definitive of whether you are valid as a person or not. Um, I guess that would depend on the situation, too. But it is, that's mm -hmm. why discourse gets so... So heated. Yeah, if I had a nickel for every time I was on TikTok and people... Oh, TikTok, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> well, well, and even, that's, especially yeah. in the queer sphere that I'm in on TikTok, um, I think my TikTok thinks that I am this, like, non-binary, pansexual with undiagnosed ADHD because those are the videos I get like I don't right. <laughs> like I really don't get the gay male ones I don't even get the lesbian ones anymore almost like all of my videos are about being some type of trans and I don't know I'm not mad about being on this right. <laughs> but like I think it's interesting that I found it here and then everyone's trying to tell me that I have ADHD and I was like I don't even like the videos that are about ADHD. Maybe enjoyed. maybe your phone is like hearing us talk about ADHD all the time because you like I talk about how I have ADHD. I and so it's like listened to our conversations enough that now it just assumes that that's the content you want. I think most queer people think they have or actually do have ADHD <laughs> and that's why it keeps popping up in my feed. But um, I've been on, I've watched videos, both that are like jokes, like people joking about themselves or their experience. And then also videos that are like analytical or talking about whatever. Mm -hmm. And and just like no one can agree. And, and by no one, yeah. I mean literally random people online. And then it like spirals and then it's easy because, you know, how much information can you get in a one minute TikTok and da 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 da, -da And like this, mm -hmm. joke, this joke was offensive and inconsiderate because of this. And then you didn't think about how about these groups of people when you posted this. And then the, the way this joke offended me. But then that person is like, oh, but that's like me. Am I not allowed? to joke about my 
myself is it just not that audience then does every video require a trigger warning like what is right 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 what is is correct and that's what Mm -hmm. i mean by internet discourse especially i think one of the reasons tiktok is such a cesspool for it is because so many young people and so many queer people that are as we've talked before like generationally behind is that the word like you know how we say that it take we grow up like a stage later than straight people do Mm -hmm. um it's like that and so Mm -hmm. it's a lot of young or otherwise insecure people online yeah insecure in its literal sense like needing validation for your identity because whatever reason you're underrepresented. right we'll give examples because i realize what i just said is very generic but Um, Well, I want to kind of go back and because you mentioned how personal it is and that these conversations and these arguments and these debates are Mm -hmm. so personal and it's very true. And I think you're right also in the sense that like a lot of these conversations are happening with younger people, younger generation of queer people. Right. Which, of course, that's like, you know, when you're a teenager, (laughs) (laughs) like that is a time where like you do feel more insecure, you need a little more support. And it's true, too, that like if you have this sort of trauma or this struggle with your identity and, Mm -hmm. you know, feeling accepted, Mm -hmm. that then when there is something that you see on the internet that doesn't validate you, it's going to create a greater response then, especially when you aren't getting that support from anywhere else. And so then, um, right, it's a lot of people who are being, you know, having this emotional response being triggered. And then it's just a lot of people with heightened emotions yelling at each other. And I think in that sense, then none of these conversations feel productive because sure. because also when you're in that heightened emotional state you're not in a place to actually take in any of the information that people are giving you either uh, you're not in a place to listen because you yeah. just are are feeling hurt right so it's just a lot of hurt people uh, arguing with each other yeah and especially because we state our that we then state our opinions as fact and it's usually that's true too as we were saying a lot of discourse within the queer community usually lies about our opinions on what is good representation and what is not and our opinions mm-hmm. of how to identify or or words or labels that are validating to us and what's hard yes. about all of that is that it's really subjective, subjective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and so then people are and so then people are essentially arguing their own opinion on it and i think i think both sides usually have i mean this is both sides being such a blanket statement but like i think usually both sides have like a valid reason for defending themselves in the language they enjoy or the representation they like but i don't think there is a correct way to identify someone's experience Um, Mm -hmm. and i don't think there's a correct perfect representation and again that circles back to that's why people get so heated about it is like everyone has their own idea of what would be perfect in a world like oh i'd love for me to be represented but then even like I can only speak from, I'll only speak from my experience in this, but even just being like, oh, watching this stereotypical man in the prom, regardless of James Corden doing it, like even Brooks (laughs) Eschmanskis, an actual gay man doing it on Broadway, people being like, that's regressive. That's a stereotypical feminine flamboyant gay man for laughs. Um, Mm -hmm. And then other people would disagree and say like, no, that's Brooks. That's him. Very honest and truthfully. And we need to have all these stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then other people, those same people may look at a gay character that is so gender conforming and masculine 
talking about gay men and being like, that's not what a gay person looks like, or like, that's not good representation because it doesn't feel like a queer person. And then someone else would disagree. And it's like conversations like that of, are you someone who needs to be represented as a feminine man, as a flamboyant feminine man, or are you as someone who's been bullied a lot for being feminine and are currently like, I need to be seen as not stereotypical. Like, right, right. Like what is your trauma? What is your history? Can we realize that both are necessary? And so then I'd love to go into a couple more specific examples with sapphic things. Did you want to bring up something else first? Yeah, well, two things <laughs> as you were talking. Yeah. Um, that one, it's so interesting that we're having all of these arguments about representation, what is good representation? When really, like, I think that the solution is just that we need more. Yes. You know, and that like, because, you know, like we say all the time, perfect representation doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so I think maybe like any sort of representation at least is a step in the right direction because at least it's representation and it's adding to what we have to work with, you know? And And so I think that... I don't know. I'd love to see us go in that direction. And we can talk more about that. But also, I wanted to say, before we get into representation more, you mentioned like language, people argue about language a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that I see a lot. And like you were saying, especially within like the queer women community, it's like about what language to use. Like, okay, so the word lesbian isn't inclusive, because this content isn't just for lesbians so we should say women loving women or like maybe or no we should actually say sapphic and it's all about the different language to use and like what language is appropriate and arguing about that but it's so interesting too because language is made up (laughs) you know and like so much of especially like the language we use within the queer community so much of that language is new as well correct and so like like you were saying, to argue about these things like it's like solid concrete fact is difficult when language is so ever-changing. Right. And so I just think that a lot of these arguments aren't super productive in that sense. But uh-huh. again, it's I think that it happens though because like somebody feels left out and then, you know, needs to feel included. But then like, you know, once we include more people than like the other people... let me give you a specific example so like lesbian stuff so you know we have the word lesbian or talk about like lesbian things and then people are like oh no that's not as inclusive we need to say women loving women but then you know then the lesbians get upset because they're like yeah well I also need a space as a lesbian so like why can't I just have my own space? And then, you know, it's like yeah. everybody's feeling invalidated. And then that's right, like right. where these arguments happen. And then it spirals. Right. Right. And then it sort of feels like people then begin to argue for this like unified idea of what a queer person is or what mm-hmm. a lesbian is. And then we don't acknowledge that there's spaces within the queer community for specific people, but then also things that you relate to. Like there's similarly like pages for gay people that bisexual men also relate to and get. Right. Well, and it's interesting too, because even like with the conversation with using more inclusive language to include like all queer women, you don't really hear that argument or that discussion happening within the queer male community. 
I don't know if I have any particular thoughts about that, but just that I think it's interesting that that's yeah, right. not like a concern. It goes back to the men are more comfortable um, mm. because, because, you know, quite frankly, the privilege of being accepted when we did, I think mm-hmm. back when um, these conversations were happening way back when, um, when gays were first being represented in media. And like, there was a point when like any gay person on TV or in theater was like, a win mm-hmm. regardless but then you know there were people that would then argue about having good queer people on there and then obviously the uh queer movement sort of obviously changed and adapt over time but my point with bringing all, all this up is that everything changed so rapidly or has grown and progressed so rapidly in the last decade to where conversations about like what is good representation or what is accepting and what isn't is happening more rapidly than when queer people were completely unaccepted by society Mm -hmm. i think i think there's a privilege to being so individual and having room for all these spaces now um where people everyone wants a slice of the pie because really back then talking about words being made up there really wasn't that many different specific identifiers within the queer community queer wasn't even like a word (laughs) like or it was it was like offensive Yeah, and the thing with these conversations as well is that it really does just end up being queer people attacking other queer people, right? Like, like it is, it's infighting. Yeah. Which also, like, does not feel productive. No. And I feel a little conflicted about it, too, because, like, I don't want people like queer people to be attacking each other or to be fighting each other but at the same time like people also need to be held accountable and like just because you're a queer person doesn't mean that you're not problematic i mean right like there's turf you know like lesbians like right like and so and so i think that like i don't know like there's a line somewhere (laughs) with that right and that line might be kind of arbitrary or made up i mean it's the same we're like yeah if someone's full-on outright saying that like trans men are women like that's different than someone saying that joe shouldn't be played by a gender non-conforming woman like those are two different arguments yeah well and i think that it's important then to remember like in these arguments and in with all of this infighting like the only reason that we're put into these situations where we're attacking each other is because we are in the minority right like Mm -hmm. we are you know like fighting over representation for example like the reason that we have to fight over representation is because like the majority our society doesn't feel like our stories are important enough to be told correct that's why we don't have enough of them and like that's maybe what we should be upset about (laughs) instead of like attacking each other about like you know, what is good, right. which I guess we can segue into the Jagged Little Pill controversy I was about to say, that no, That'd note. be a perfect segue. I wanted to yeah. say, too, that a lot of, in terms of, you know, putting our stories up and that, a lot of investors is, is talking about Broadway. I think sometimes people don't understand the financial monster that is commercial Broadway theater. Um, mm-hmm. So many investors don't invest in these concepts they don't understand, such as mm-hmm. a lot of queer content. Because they don't know how good it's going to do. Well, yeah, they don't know. Right. Like you are going to invest money in something that you think will do well. And you want to get your um, money back and then make some, right? Right. And then people worry that queer stories aren't profitable. Yeah. Which again is the whole point of like not, you know. No, right. We're undervalued. 
And now, I mean, that's why today you see so many like musicals based off of really popular cult films. Like The Notebook is coming out and so is uh, The Devil Wears Prada right. and Back to the Future. And like Beetlejuice was just on Broadway and right. and Mrs. Doubtfire and the list right. goes on. Because these people know like, oh, this was commercially successful as a movie. It will be commercial, statistically, it will be successful as a musical. Mm -hmm. And even if you, theater kid at home, hate it, the rich people, the rich white old people that are going to go see Broadway will love it. Mm -hmm. um, so like it will make money. I digress a little bit because uh, in terms of then Jagged Little Pill, mm -hmm. uh, I want to focus specifically on the discourse between the character Joe identifying as trans as opposed to there's other discourse with the show regarding um, the treatment of the actors. And there was a situation with the state with stage management um, against Nora Shell that was uh, objectively abusive and terrible. But in terms of representation, we're going to talk about that. Discourse. Joe, <laughs> right. We're going to talk about are, Joe now in a bit. I, yeah, I don't think anyone is out there being like, no, Nora Shell wasn't right. No, like, right. <laughs> people are arguing over Joe. And so. Mm -hmm. And we've I, talked about this before. I don't remember. I'm trying to remember what. Oh, we talked about this in our episode on representation that we identify with. And I talked about oh. how much I identify with Joe. Yes, story as it goes for everyone is that they brought on Lauren Patton to help. Before there was even like a full script. Yeah, it was Just like, like the drafts. When yeah, were the drafts it. before there was even a script to make this character that was a masked lesbian or a gender non-conforming lesbian woman. And then as the show progressed, they, they meaning uh, Lauren Patton, the dramaturgs that include some trans people and Diablo Cody, the writer of the show, then expanded the character to be ambiguous in the sense that they really dug into the gender non-conforming bits of it and then yeah i think started referring to the character with they them pronouns yeah and also like i think there was a point that like the character wore a binder in the end of the show and like yeah that's that, what i mean is that right that that they then were essentially like pitching the idea that oh no maybe this character is non-binary right and then you know through workshopping it, they decided against that and were like, no, we're just gonna make this character a cis woman and also Lauren Patton being a gender non-conforming mm -hmm. woman. Yeah. You know, felt more comfortable with the role being a woman and not being trans or non-binary. Right. However, they also wanted to keep it ambiguous, right? Yeah. In the and sense that... that like, oh, well, but we also know that non-binary people and trans people will be able to relate to this role. So we don't want to kind of make a very like firm statement. The whole, the whole situation ended up being really messy and the ambiguity also ended up like hurting a lot of people mm -hmm. because, you know, they weren't explicit and then also you know made a statement at some point saying that the character was only ever intended to be cisgendered which wasn't entirely true right. and so you know the, the drafts that existed of the character then identifying non-binary and yeah and so it, it's it, been very yeah. messy yeah and especially <laughs> messy situation this is all has been brought up because the tony awards just happened and lauren Patton won a tony award for the for role her. Yeah. Yes. And so uh -huh. then the conversation kind of ended up being like, should she even be playing this character? A lot of people think that she should step down from the role and that they should cast a non-binary or trans person and that the role should be explicitly trans. Right. And then the discourse happens because then there are 
still people that identify with the character Joe. There are people that never did. What happened then after a lot of this controversy is that they then made her explicitly cis because in the ambiguity in in the way people were hurt were saying like oh that character's trans and then lauren patty's right. playing it and they were like oh right you understand how the ambiguity can be harmful and wasn't then like, confusing and then it was well and, and in the sense that they made it cis um right. well it, right and in the sense that like lauren Patton was referring to the character with they them pronouns Mm-hmm. as a way to be like oh well this character you know depending could be a butch woman or could be non-binary or could be a trans man as she played it you know the character obviously was just like a masculine of center lesbian but right. she was using they them pronouns to keep it open but then it made it seem like she was playing a non-binary character and then people you know got upset yeah and so then the right this course today is really regarding sort of the hold that people have over whether the character is trans or whether the character is a cis woman so then um could you want to share your experience with it exactly with well jagged little pill then you know recently also made a statement saying that this is a character who is gender non-conforming is going on like a gender journey mm-hmm. and that that can mean a lot of different things right so that right. could include like a gender non-conforming woman that could include a non-binary person that could include a transmasculine person mm-hmm. like that actors of all of those experiences can play this role mm-hmm. yeah the discourse is really about whether or not that's good enough and if it should be explicitly non-binary or explicitly trans which again is hard because there's so little representation of non-binary people and you know trans people especially on broadway yeah there's literally only i think the one character was like in head over heels yes and that's the only non-binary right non-binary Uh, character in a Broadway musical and then on the flip side there's also very little representation of butch women as well yeah you have fun home and then like arguably the prom where on stage it is this butch woman in the movie it wasn't but like you know yeah 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 yeah. but no that's very true and so then two to one like is are we really are we going to count no no no. yeah and it's deserve representation Right. And so like, that's kind of going back to my point about like queer people fighting each other. It feels like now it's, it's sort of positioning butch women and non-binary people against each other, you know? Right. You Uh, know, and fighting over this character, which is sad. I don't know. And it's been weird for me too, in the sense that, you know, to speak personally about it, that this is a character that I feel really does represent my experience and I really identified with and then especially during college when I was getting kind of messages about like needing to be more feminine and that like I would have a limited career if I didn't you know film them myself up that then like Joe was a role that I really looked up to because I was like, oh, but there's always like Joe, <laughs> you know, like that's, you know, there there's characters like that. And that just proves that we're, there's is more representation, you know, happening. But now it's like, I don't identify as non-binary. And so then people, you know, shitting on Lauren Patton, essentially, right. and saying that she shouldn't be able to play this role even though she is a masculine of center queer woman because that's the other thing it's not like a situation where it's like Jared Leto and Dallas Buyers Club playing a trans woman 
you know, yeah, as like a cis like man, Charlotte like Jackson this is a queer, right? right so. Like this is a gender non-conforming queer person playing this role, you know, anyway, but it really stressed me out because then I was like, well, if I'm not feminine enough to play female roles and I am not like gender non-conforming enough to play, you know, like that I'm not mm. trans so that I, this can't be my experience, you know, like it just is, yeah. is weird. Well, and then I also want to acknowledge that this was a character that was about being gender nonconforming. It wasn't like anybody's in West Side Story, or it wasn't <laughs> like just like a gender nonconforming person physically on stage. They were physically trying to talk about Joe's experience growing up and existing mm-hmm. in high school. The character's a high schooler. And I think, obje- like, objectively, if you see the show, the conversations that are had about this character and the journey she goes through is a progressive step. Um, yes. It's not like a caricatured moment. It's no, like it's pulled, a very, yeah, very honest representation. Yeah, and even in the earlier stages, Lauren Patton said in an interview with Shakina, a trans actor, who Lauren Patton had essentially said even like the moments of making her name less feminine, the character Joe, and then wearing mm-hmm. a binder, um, sharing that those are both still like you know, experiences Lauren had had similar to feeling less less correct in a female form or with that sort of feminine thing. So it wasn't, I mean, it's easy if you see some posts online about it, but it really wasn't just like pulled out of thin air or Diablo Cody writing a character from her ass. Lauren Patton really did try and bring her honest truth to this character. And I yeah, think well, I- and, and I think that's the thing that Wright is like sad about all of this, that the way that Lauren was portraying this character was so honest to her and to her identity. Mm-hmm. And it is a real experience, right? Like you said, it's not like it's bad representation. It's no. good representation. It's just not necessarily the representation that people needed or wanted right. or, you know, right? And so... I don't know, I stand by what I said as far as I think that the solution is to just keep creating more, (laughs) you know, more so then we don't have to fight over it and, you know, like fight about who it belongs to because if there's just more of it, you know, and it's hard because it does feel like this is a step in the right direction, you know, like in the sense that like it is a stepping stone and that like from here, I hope that we can have even more and more explicit, better representation Mm -hmm. for non-binary people. Yeah. But then I also worry that like, because there's been so much controversy (laughs) over this role, that now, like, you know, producers... No one's going to invest in another queer yeah, show. Yeah, people guess. don't want to invest. Yeah. You know, I that's something that I worry about, not wanting yeah. to invest in these stories because, like, financially, it's not dependable enough because it's so controversial. Right, and especially... And that's a thing that I worry about, so... Yeah, and no, that was a worry I had, too. And especially, to just reiterate that this is, this is discourse. It's not, you know, like a spoken truth as to what is correct and what is not. There are trans people in the show and trans people in the industry that have not only like spoken with Lauren specifically, but also still like relate to the show. There's people in the show that are also helping kind of build it into something new as it returns to Broadway this October. But I agree with you that it's hard PR wise online. Mm -hmm. Everyone is very upset with it. And it's not like, not that to say like people shouldn't be upset or... Uh, whatever the shouldn't have this immense feelings towards it but I do think it was like it was a step 
And I, yeah. regardless of, you know, if it was your experience exactly, I think the reason it became such a big controversy was because so many people saw themselves in Joe. Yeah. So it was, again, relatable to some extent to a lot right. of people. Well, and then to, to bring it back, and that's why it's hard because I think that the ambiguity of the role then can be good in the sense that you know because if a non-binary person is relating to this character and then they're like no actually this character isn't non-binary this character is a cis woman and yeah. so and then it's like oh man like it you know then that feels like a loss because it's like oh this character that I thought was me isn't so that's why I think that like the ambiguity ambiguity can be good where it's like oh no like depending on who's playing this role like it could be you know all of these different identities but then at the same time I also understand that like you know because really people deserve more than ambiguity and so like I also understand that and that that's also hard I also think though like we need more and more non-binary representation but also I think when you think of like the scheme of things non-binary identities aren't new obviously aren't in um in the sense that like there have always been non-binary people and then I think that like the binary gender system is very like western patriarchal like you know rooted in like christianity you know like you know all of these things right that that um obviously there's there's always been third genders other genders but like this language that we're now using to talk about these different genders and non-binary identities is very new you know mm-hmm. like I mean within our lifetime right and we are young people <laughs> you know and so that I think that I don't know it's hard because I mean butch butch lesbians like that was an identity that was like in the 40s and 50s right correct and then the fact that the only like major mainstream representation we have of that is fun home Right. I think things take time. Yeah. And, and uh, I and I don't want to like say that as like a you don't want to sound like your turn or something. No, exactly. But I think we need to celebrate the wins and push for for more. Yeah. Like uh, that both can be true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it's messy. And even us like having this conversation about it, it's like I really don't want to invalidate anyone's experience with it. Right. Um, but then it's also a hard one. <laughs> I also have felt like my experience has, you know, been erased in some of these conversations. Um, to further that, the point that we've been saying the whole episode is really that it's just like, it feels like people with their own experiences really trying to fight for their own validation. And then it like, it spirals because it's so personal. And I wanted to talk about what you just said with taking time. The, mm-hmm. uh, there's tons of queer work out there. It exists gay people don't have money that's why you mean the funds like the funding the backing yeah that's why broadway looks the way it does uh ava price who or eva price i forget um the lead producer of jagged little pill is a queer woman which is i think one of the main reasons the show got up on its feet the way it did most producers and um investors are like straight and white and of the ones that aren't they're gay and white which is why Right. Or gay white men. Like, like right. that's why AIDS plays are always on Broadway, right? <laughs> like, and so it really is going to take time because queer people aren't in the place of funds yet. 
and it's they're not in a position of power where yeah because yeah. broadway is like the you know grander scheme it's got such an outreach in terms of theater um right but it yeah, is but commercial that's... and it is led right. by a bunch of rich old white people no well and that's a good point because there's tons of like queer plays and like non-binary playwrights and mm -hmm. like queer theaters and like all of this stuff yeah. like that sort of work does exist and you know like independent queer films and like all of these things they're just not mainstream they're not Correct. commercial yes. um i believe we'll get there one day We're yeah just there today and i want everyone listening well, to really feel valid well um, i i want to say too that i think it's it's good to remember that like also the fact that we're even able to have these conversations is yes. a privilege Correct. you know that like in the past people's concerns were about like and for some people this is still the case obviously but you know the current concerns were about like being disowned by their family or right. you know being like hate crimed on the street and the fact mm -hmm. that our concern is whether or not a character on Broadway in a commercial musical is, you know, good representation or not, like mm -hmm. that's also like shows so much progress yeah. in our society. And yeah. like, that's such a privilege that we're even able to have these conversations in the first place. Yeah. And I think that, I don't know, I think that that's something that needs to be thought about as well. Yeah, I mean, I even think uh, literally like last week, I don't think it was in regards to this, but Max Vernon, the author of The View Upstairs, which mm. is literally about like generational privilege, literally went yes. on a mini rant on his story and was just being like, we have to take the wins. We can't look at everything with such a critical eye that it never gets up on its feet. Like, yeah, I took a screenshot of it. Let me yeah. read the quote. <laughs> he said, I truly worry about this younger generation of queer folks. Everything appears to trigger slash traumatize them in spite of living in a time which has never been more accepting of queer people, maybe a historically low bar, but still. Right. All the people screaming loudest about oppression and violence are the ones with the least proximity to it. I don't wish the bullying and traumas I experienced in the 90s and early 2000s on these kids, but at the same time, it made me strong. It made me resilient. It helped me find my community. It taught me how to fight. It prepared me for the actual world we live in. The world will not coddle you. The world will not automatically think you are special just because you are special. Bullying others does not make you safer. You have to find your own light. You have to be tougher. You have to stop performing pain and instead cultivate resilience. Um. Yeah that yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> i do love max vernon i really I yeah really want to be their friend i really yeah do. well and i mean you know like i talk a lot about how much i love queer history and why i think it's so important to understand queer history because i do think that our generation is so extremely privileged and i right. think that we don't always realize that correct um, so uh, on that know. note Great talk today, Em. Yeah. What is your gay recommendation this week? My gay recommendation is The Secret to Superhuman Strength by Alison Bechtel, because I'm just going to recommend all of her books. <laughs> <laughs> but I think as far as like what we were talking about with like generational privilege and these different things and also, you know, representation of gender nonconforming people, right. uh, it's a really good book because each chapter is 
a different decade of her life and she it's you know like sort of autobiographical it's it's about how she like loves fitness which is funny um <laughs> but she kind of talks about her life you know through that lens and right. about her like being active and all of these things mm -hmm. but it goes through the different um decades of her life and you know being able to see what it was like for her as a lesbian as a butch lesbian to be right. growing up when she did i think it gives a lot of perspective and so i think it's a very good read and i highly recommend also you know alison bechtel is god so in holy trinity right <laughs> yes yes nate what is your gay recommendation i'm recommending becoming a man the story of a transition by p carl Carl is a trans man. He is one of the people that worked on Jagged Little Pill since its earliest stages, being one of those people on the team helping to create the story that went along with it. And he was on like the board to help all these um, touchy subjects be very honest and truthful. And I'm recommending his book because it's a story about obviously his transition, but then he even talks about kind of the nuances and the privileges that happened when he then began to pass as a straight white man. Um, and how he was treated differently. And then it also like was a send off to his older self um, that identified as, uh, as a woman. And it's great because he also talks about being queer enough in a world where he's no longer perceived queer and da, 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 da. And it's a really good read. And I think it's very, very honest and very truthful to his story. And we love trans artists. And I think it's timely to bring out a trans person working on the Jagged musical. And so, yes. Becoming a Man by P. Carl. It's really good. Nate, where can people find us? People can find us on Instagram at Podcast. There you can see all of our recommendations and you can DM us for ideas for topics you'd like us to talk about on the show. You can also follow my personal Instagram at NateJig, N-A-T-E-J-I-G. And you can't follow M because her Instagram is private. Always. Be sure to follow us so you're always there for new episodes episodes we only have a few left until we take a little hiatus for god knows how long then be sure to leave a five-star review and until next time let's be calm let's be humble and as always let's, let's be, be gay, gay. Oh, woo! Thank you guys so much.